On this episode of Video Culture, we'll talk Steve Martin with Roxanne and Bowfinger. Did you rewind it? I don't know. In a time where everyone has a podcast... In a place where everyone has an opinion. Two heroes, Matthew and Ryan, against all odds, are here to save your movie viewing experience from total disaster. Your trip through the video aisles of yesteryear begins now. There will be chills. There will be thrills. And there's a good chance that Ryan will have a coffee spill. They'll discuss the quality, cultural significance, and more detail, frankly, than you bargained for. Here's your host, Ryan Acree and Matthew Essery. And welcome to another episode of Video Culture. I'm your host, Ryan Acree. And I'm Matthew Essery. And this week we decided to kind of go the comedy route, right? And um, mm-hmm. pick a couple of comedies, kind of lighten it up. And we picked, uh, you know, one of the guys that, we, that we've talked about before when we did uh, The Three Amigos. Um, but a guy that's just like, whatever he's in, he always plays, you know, kind of a funny guy, Steve Martin. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of like this. To me, Steve Martin is what what I always think of as the ter- the, the kind of made up term as low key hilarious. Yeah, like he's not over. He's not like overtly funny most of the time. Yeah, but he's incredibly funny, but just in a very kind of subdued way. Yeah, like yeah. even in his more like wacky roles, like the jerk, it's still not like incredibly broad. There's still a little yeah. bit of truth and drama to it, but just. Very funny in a very kind of, you know, like I said, just subdued way. Yeah, he's not very very slapstick. He's not very, like, loud or boisterous. He's always just, like, in, uh, you know, like, crazy, wild, like, situations and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, I, I mean, almost everything that he's in is is absolutely great. And, and uh uh, I mean, you can tell that when you watch uh, some of his his greater movies, like uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and and um, you know, in 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 the two movies that we're talking about uh, now, which is um, Roxanne and Bowfinger, and Roxanne, you know, is this movie from the eighties uh, that doesn't get a lot of you know attention nowadays. So I remember this film a lot, like when I was uh, you know growing up. I mean, it, it you know it's kind of a romantic comedy. Yeah, and you would see it on you know TBS and USA and yeah. and all of that kind of stuff on Saturday or Sunday afternoons or something like that, and it was always a really enjoyable, watchable movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like again, it's not it's not what I would call laugh out loud funny, but it's it's so just like enjoyable and warm and good natured, and it totally is what you're referring to, which is a cable state. It's a cable staple. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was a standby for TBS for. HBO. It's one of the movies that was just literally owned all the time. You'd be flipping channels like on a on a Saturday afternoon. It would just be like starting or halfway through, and you'd be like, oh, well, I'll, I'll watch Roxanne for the next you know hour and ten minutes. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it captures you in the in the little town that they're in, uh, in the north uh, northwest town, um, and it's just uh, like I said, it's just like so. I don't know uh, what it is about it, like the the the, the pacing and just the wit. Um, I mean, and that's the thing that, like, uh, you know, I always find that, like, and we'll talk about it more. But Steve Martin always plays these very, you know, witty characters, but not witty like Fletch or something like that. You know what I mean? They're smart, but they don't like. He doesn't make fun of other people all the time. Um, yeah, it's not it's, it's not really mean spirited. Yeah. And I, I think I think the word you're kind of searching for to describe Roxanne, and correct me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think this is accurate. It's charming. Yeah. It's just a charming little movie. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, he kind of plays, even though that, what's funny is that Fred Willard plays the mayor, right? <laughs> yeah. But the, he's almost. The immortal Fred Willard. Yeah, yeah the immortal Fred Willard. But it's almost like, 
you know, his character CD is like almost like the secondary mayor, or like the real mayor yeah. that we that everybody like really likes. I mean, it's like, oh, we yeah. just let him be the mayor because he's, you know, he seems to have fun with it. But like the real guy is like this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the guy that everybody sort of like looks up to or whatever. You know, well, yeah, and I, I agree. And Steve Martin has he kind of radiates that like good natured warmth that you would need for that kind of character. Yeah. But one thing we need to talk about, I think, is is what Roxanne is based on before we get too deep into the weeds on it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, what? it should be it should be obvious. It's based on Serrano de Bergerac, uh, the famous play from Edmund Rodstad. It was a 1897 play, and mm-hmm. you know, Steve Martin said you know that he had this idea of uh, you know doing like a modern version. Of Cyrano de Bergerac because he absolutely loved the play um, that he thought it had such, you know, great wit and charm. And I mean, in Steve Martin, I mean, he's he was almost born like an entertainer. Right. I mean, he plays yeah. banjo. He's, he does, you know, all these things. He's done albums, uh, comedy albums, you know, King Tut. And he's done all yeah. of that. And he also does like, you know, Father of the Bride and yeah. other things. But this he he had the idea of like being like. You know, Cyrano de Bergerac is one of those type movies where you're the smartest guy in the room, right? But yeah. there's also uh, the element where, uh, you know, obviously because of his, you know, big nose or whatever, he can't get, you know, romantic attention, right? Yeah. Like everybody's yeah. always making fun of him. And then and then there's this whole, uh, uh, what was that, um, you know, uh, the swap, like the you know, where you're yeah. writing love letters, but you're not really the person, kind of thing, right? Yeah, like, like the idea of he he's basically he's been, I mean the whole thing about Cyrano is that uh, he him and another character both have feelings for this woman named Roxanne. The other character is very classically handsome, but he's vapid. Yeah, so he basically enlists Cyrano without realizing that Cyrano also cares for this woman to basically give him words to say to this woman. Mm-hmm. And Cyrano, who's very lyrical and very poetic, you know, pours his heart out into these words that this other guy basically takes unknowingly and uses him to woo this girl that they both love. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a classic love triangle. Yeah. But I mean, it takes like that part kind of like, uh, like taming of the shrew where, you know, this person like, I don't know how to talk to girls. Well, no, you just yeah. say these things and, you know, well, you do it for me, and okay, yeah. and then you know, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, the, and and the girl of interest is played by Daryl Hannah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and Daryl Hannah, I mean, gosh, I mean, she's been in uh, so many movies, Splash, you know, Kill Bill. I mean, yeah, she's she, she's very luminous, and she's especially luminous in this film. I mean, she's she's great for this role because you can understand why. Why both these two very different men would be so very taken by her, mm-hmm. but I want to go back to what you're talking about with with Steve Martin and playing the kind of the Cyrano de Bergerac role in this film. Mm-hmm. He's named he's cleverly named uh, named named uh, CD. Yeah, that's his <laughs> name. Uh, um, <laughs> right. But uh, but CD he's he is supposed to be the smartest man in the room, but it's it's such a difficult thing to to play the smartest man in the room and to be clever and witty, but also be insecure. Mm-hmm. And a little bit shy, mm-hmm. and that's really what's so hard about this role is you have to be both those things simultaneously and have it feel organic. Mm-hmm. And I think there are very few men, very few actors, very few performers who could do that, other than someone with the energy and and the vibe of a Steve Martin. I mean, he's a very unique performer, and his his, his talents are so perfectly suited for doing that sort of role. Yeah, and I, I never really even thought about it that way. I mean, it's just. That's so insightful, really. Um, I'll give you the the quick breakdown of what was written. Um, sure, like, like like what is Roxanne actually about? Uh, in Nelson, the chief of the firemen, C. D. Bales, is a man with complex is a man with a complex. Since he has a huge nose, when his friend Dixie rents her house to the gorgeous student of astronomy, Roxanne, he falls in love with her, but keeps his feeling a secret. C. D. hires a handsome fireman, Chris. And Roxanne asks CD to help her date him. However, Chris is an average American with very limited culture and asks CD to help him get into her pants. CD writes letters disclosing his feelings for her, and Roxanne is seduced by the man that writes such letters. What will happen when she meets Chris? 
So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just sort of this classic tale, right, where yeah. uh, you're not the person that, that wrote these letters. And, and Chris is really like this sort of, uh, you know, sort of daft kind of like, you know, he, he's a, you know, he's a fireman, right? Like the reason mm-hmm. that he is a fireman is because, you know, uh, he probably played football and, and yeah. you know, in high school and was a, was a big lineman, you know, guy yeah. and was just like, I don't know what else to do. I'll just do this, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, what they have always liked about about this the story of Cyrano de Bergerac is that that Chris uh Christian in the original yeah. s- uh, story cleverly enough um uh Chris is a uh is not a bad guy at all. He's just sort of I mean he's just he's just very average, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's not he's not overly poetic. He doesn't know how to express himself well. He's very your typical like 1980s guy. Like he just doesn't he doesn't know how to be romantic or how to be eloquent. Mm-hmm. You know, he's used to just getting by on, on his looks, and truthfully, he's shy too. But he's shy in a different way than 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 CD is. Right. So well, that's something I always liked about the film is that neither of these guys are bad guys. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not actively rooting against one or the other. You just, you know, you kind of want everyone to be happy. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and uh, Shelley Duvall uh, plays Dixie. She plays like kind of um, you know CD's friend and confidant. Um, which I mean, you know, she's always great. I always love seeing Shelly yeah. and, and it's always you know. nice to see her pop up in things for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also, yeah, Fred Willard plays the mayor, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like, and, and some of the funnier scenes, you know, too, from the movie, uh, were from this, this ragtag fireman who were kind of like, you know, the bad news bears of, of firemen, you know what I mean? Like, they just can't yeah. seem to get it together, you know, all the time. Like, 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 one guy we have to mention, he plays one of the firemen, for sure, is a Michael J. Pollard. Yeah. Who are, who are, who are our, our listeners will probably know from uh, from Scrooge. He plays yep. he plays one of the homeless guys. He plays the homeless guy in Scrooge who, uh, who passes away, who freezes to death, who, who kind of, you know, helps Bill Murray on his journey to becoming a better person. Mm-hmm. Like he pops up, he's one of those guys who's just to me. He's one of the faces of '80s movies. Like he's somebody who always pops up as like a supporting character or, a, or like a background role, mm-hmm. and he almost always steals the movie. Yeah, in these kind of like weird little oddball roles, you know. Yeah, he's a great character actor. He plays uh, Andy, one of the other uh, you know firemen. And the fu- yeah. what's one what's funny about that is that uh, when me and my wife were watching the movie. Uh, I'm sitting there, you know, the credits are rolling because this is like the 80s. So all the like the, the credits are, you know, before. And yeah. so it's like, so you know, Steve Martin, uh, Daryl Hannah, the show, do all is like, and then I'm like, I see Fred Willard. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Fred Willard. I forgot he's in this movie. And then after that, like, then Michael J. Pollard's name comes up yeah. next. And my wife, goes, oh, Michael J. Pollard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, he's a. He's yeah. one of those guys. You're like, hey, it's that guy. Yeah, and then and, you know, he, we, we, yeah, then when he showed up in the film, I'm like, oh yeah, there's that guy. He played the ghost in Scrooge. And she goes, oh okay. And then I look him up. I'm like, oh, that was Michael J. Potter. <laughs> we both, yeah. we both had a good laugh. And and I think this is one of the very first. I think this may be the very first film role for a very young Damon Wayans. It is. Yeah, he played one of yeah. the firemen too. It is his yeah. first role. Yeah, he he gets one. He gets one little main scene. Like right. he gets to where he gets to talk about how 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 big uh, CD's nose is. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, but but old the last Boy Scout himself, Damon Wayans. Right. Yeah. There. There he was. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. he's in all the scenes really where there's the bunch of firemen. But yeah, he actually yeah. has a line or two in that one scene. Yeah. Uh, where you actually get to see him sort of like up close. But yeah, I mean, and uh, and it's just uh, you know this town though. Let's just talk about the town of Nelson. Um, it's one of these like sleepy like northwest uh, you know towns. Uh, it looks like CD didn't even like drive. He's just like walking everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's it looks just, like, like the this, perfect place to live. You know, like, right? It's like something out of a Hallmark movie or something like that. Yeah, like it's you know very picturesque. Uh, yeah, it's place. just quaint and lovely, and everyone seems nice. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that can only exist in movies, you know. But yeah. it's it's one place you're like, man, I'd like to go there and just like visit, you know, yeah. stop at a diner. Yeah, everybody kind of knows yeah. everybody, and you know, uh, yeah, it's very. There, but there's only like one bar in town. There's one like you know diner where everybody gets lunch, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it, uh, it is, it's, it's really, really cool. And that's one of the other reasons I think that, you know, 
that it has a lot of appeal is that uh you know it is it it, it kind of goes along with this sort of homely you know sort of sort of movie about this modern guy with this you know big nose you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and like I said, like I said, the movie's just got a, a real sweet quality to it. And one thing that I, I, I love about it, and it's only that people frequently know that the original story, but there's so many little fun nods to the original story. Yeah. You know, like like in, in the beginning, like C D gets into an altercation with two with two skiers. It's like the very beginning of the movie, and they have like a, a little like pseudo sword fight. Like like something out of like Shakespeare, uh, but with mm-hmm. tennis rackets and like ski poles. Right. You know? And or or you know the the scene in, in the uh, in, in in the bar where the guy insults him, mm-hmm. and he's like, you, "You can do better than that." And then he and then CD proceeds to rattle off twenty insults about having a big nose, like kind of kind of, kind yeah. of that showpiece scene, right? That's directly out of the original story. Yeah, I think or even it, I think even one of them uh, was was almost directly quoted, like from from the original play. Mm-hmm. What are the insults? I mean, some of them were not, but I think most of yeah. them were not, but. Uh, you know, yeah. one of them almost directly was. Yeah, and like the like when when they're actually having the, the other showcase scene where he's literally hiding in the bushes talking for Chris to Roxanne, like some of their dialogue is just like modernizations of the actual dialogue from from the original story. Mm-hmm. And I just I really like that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I, I like the way that they kind of cleverly updated it and tweaked mm-hmm. it, but still kept the original spirit. Yeah, because you I mean honestly. I mean, it is a really good homage and almost a, almost a remake of the original story. Yeah, it's like a like a like a modern sort of thinking about you know this. I mean, yeah, and what yeah. he what he says, like what he's saying to Roxanne, like when he's down in the bushes uh, and he's pretending that he's you know Chris, uh, you know those those things that he says, is, like you said, is almost directly from the from the original play. Uh, yeah, and also some of the poems that he wrote to her, some of the things that he uh, wrote in the letters, um, you know, were were almost directly the the same thing. Yeah, it's almost kind of it's almost like it's almost like a, a like almost a little bit like Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet Romeo and Juliet remake, uh-huh. where it's kind of this modern this modern setting around this classic story, uh-huh. and. Uh, I think if you wanted to try to introduce a, a, a person to the story of Cyrano de Bergerac, a great way to do that first would be to show them Roxanne. Yeah, 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 yeah. But Boz had the original like script, right? Like he had, yeah, the like like he, he didn't he didn't actually change any any of the dialogue. Yeah, you know, the dialogue, and that's right, that's yeah. that thing with his version of Romeo and Juliet. But I mean, just but as far as taking modern aesthetics and placing it over the story, mm-hmm. I think it's kind of similar to what Roxanne does, where you take basically you know the story and just Put it in modern day, you know, dressing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, definitely for sure. Um, it is kind of weird seeing Steve Martin kind of like hit and punch people, though, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> you don't really see, you know, you don't really see a lot of, you know, fights like that in movies anymore. You know no, what I mean? It's... Where people would just get into like a, a little scuffle or something like that or a little, you know, like who who does that anymore? Who He even yeah. did that back in the 80s. I don't know. But yeah. somehow it, it it's, happened it, all the it, time. It, it's a little absurd. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, but it's got a little bit of an Errol Flynn quality to it, a little bit of a swashbuckling thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it's just cute, you know, yeah. like, I mean, it's, it's light and, 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 and unoffensive, you know, that's mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. It's just, it's just like light and it's completely just like simple and a, uh, and again, charming. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you though, right now, just because I want, just because I want to talk about it, the, the the my favorite scene. I don't know what your favorite scene is, um, but one of my favorite scenes in the movie that I would you know watch like over and over again, uh, that I would rewind and, and watch over again is the story. Like right after he gets like Chris, uh, like into bed with uh, with Roxanne, he is you know like spying. <laughs> on them or whatever and he falls out of the tree and the ladies are there so he has to come up with some excuse of like why he was there right yeah. and he comes up with that whole crazy alien story yeah and that that was just fantastic i mean it almost seemed yeah. like it was like like almost like ad-libbed or something like that it was kind of like almost like robin williams-esque you know type of thing you know what i'm saying it, it, it was it definitely it was really reminded fun. me of his stand up like it, yeah. it reminded me of his of his 70s stand up for sure kind of a little bit absurd and like whimsical mhm uh but yeah it's definitely it's a super fun moment uh 
but I guess we can go ahead and talk about this, because, I mean, I don't think there's a lot we can really say about it that we haven't already said, other than it's just a very charming, light movie. But my favorite scene is the scene that's kind of, again, the classic kind of scene from the original play where, where Steve Martin's in the bushes talking to, to Daryl Hannah's character. Like, I, I love that kind of romantic, kind of a little bit schmaltzy stuff, but, mm-hmm. but the, but the dialogue is so nice and I, I love actors, you know, spouting off lovely dialogue with all their, with all their skill. Mm-hmm. And that's really some, that's some wonderful acting from both of them. Mm-hmm. Like you could really, you really feel like, like, like Martin's in love with Hannah in that scene. Like he, he really feels like he's smitten with her, mm-hmm. and it's just, and it's just lovely. Mm-hmm. I like it so much. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, and I, I mean, and I love the interplay with the house where he's, you know, yeah. like climbing up on the thing and getting up, you know, getting upstairs and getting down and like yeah. fl- doing it's all such these a flips weird detail. And- like he does, like he's like a, a gymnast for some reason. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like <laughs> 1980s parkour. Like it's such a weird little detail, but it makes me laugh every time. Well, I mean, and they even did the setup where he had to, you know, get into her house because she locked herself out yeah. or whatever. But then after that, he had, you know, he did it again because he, you know, he was trying yeah. to get to her, get to, uh, Chris and tell him about the letters or whatever. So yeah, yeah it was just kind of funny, uh, fun little, yeah, just fun a, little, another fun little thing about that movie. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like it's just like it's just a rent. It's a it's a fun little detail um, that, that really serves no other purpose than to make you grin. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not it's not hilarious, mm-hmm. but it makes you smile. Oh right. Uh, so we talked about okay. So we talked about our, our rewind and savor moment. You know things we liked about that the Roxanne that we'd go back and really. Rewatch over and over again. Are there any parts of Roxanne you would skip over? Um, you, I mean, you can almost feel it where, I mean, I don't know if there's any scenes. Like I said, I've already said the scene, the opening scene is just like so awkward. Uh, I wish there was just another way to, to do it. That was more whimsical, but didn't involve so much physical fighting. I guess you would say, um, it is, it is out of place for sure. Yeah. Um, oh, and the one thing that I'll mention too, is that, you know, in the originals, Sierno de Bergiac, uh, you know, Roxanne and, you know, Sierno do not wind up together, right? Like, spoiler no, alert. No, that's very true. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, spoiler alert for those that have, don't know anything about Sierno. Uh, but then Chris just gets kind of, like, written out, like, without even saying goodbye to anybody. Like, you can definitely tell, like, him and the bartender girl, uh, you know, we're just going to, you know, we're perfect for each other. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, she just thinks that, oh, he's just, like, cute and charming, and they're just, like, almost perfect for each other. But then they just, like, disappear at the end. Yeah. It's almost like there there was, there was, like, a scene missing where, where they realize they like each other. Right. You know? Um, like, it just kind of jumps to that. It's like, it's like the movie realized that they had, it had to get him out of the way to get to the ending. Like, right. like, oh, yeah, we're out of time. We only got so many minutes left. Well, it, it just- was kind of those, like... Uh, you know, where you look at one another, like, and your, you know, my eyes are dancing, your eyes are dancing, like, hey, I'm going tomorrow to go, you know, you want to go? Like, you know, it's kind of one of those, like, hey, let's yeah. get married kind of, you know, kind of things. Yeah. But yeah, well, but just, without uh, any heart, without any pretext or build up before that, it just seems almost like out of place. Yeah, it, it does. It does just a little bit. But that's, to me, that's the fact that the movie is so good natured that it doesn't want anyone to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Like, like there are no losers in, in Roxanne. Everyone gets to have a happy ending in some way. Oh yeah, for Which sure. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it is nice. I mean, that town put out the fire, and you know, they, they, you yeah, know, everything's good. Oh yeah, the firemen actually get to be like useful firemen. <laughs> useful firemen. It's, right. it's like the C plot of the thing is all about them training these like these like Keystone Cops esque firemen. <laughs> yeah, and they actually get to put out a fire and do a good job. You know, <laughs> right. So yeah, the, the 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 actual structure of the movie is actually pretty tight. And the mm-hmm. fact that they're they're, they're 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 like setups and payoffs and everything kind of gets paid off, you know. Yeah, uh, the movie's only like 109 minutes or something like that. I mean, it's really which you know we appreciate short movies here. Yeah, mm-hmm. appreciate short movies, and I will say this: like, you are not a big fan of like romantic comedies. I know, I'm uh, not, but, but I, I do like some. Right, and this this is one of them that would be on your list, right? This yes. would be yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, want to make sure that our audience uh, that's clear, you know. It's ha- this has Matt approval. Oh yeah, I, I I dig this one a lot. I mean, I suggested this one when we were talking about coming up with Steve Martin movies to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. No, I I, I had uh, great memories, you know, watching it. Um, you know, when I was uh, like I said, growing up, and it it was awesome to you know watch today and and know that it still holds up. I mean, there's nothing really like 
uh, like really sort of out of place about it at all. I think, um, other yeah. than other than the the weird fighting scenes. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's very few missteps in it. Like I said, it's not. We keep saying this again. It's not. It's not like laugh out loud funny. But I'll, but I'll, but I'll be really surprised if you watch it and don't like come away enjoying it and saying, oh, "Man, I'm glad I watched that." Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's a very amusing and very charming movie uh, for sure. All right, so let's let's move on to uh, to Bowfinger. So, 1999, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy like teamed up to do this movie Bowfinger, and I think that. Yeah. Um, I need to t- like. I guess we need to talk about like what it's about because it's like, you know, we can say Roxanne is like, oh, it's about Seriano de Bergia, but this you have, there's no context to anything. So yeah, it's basically. And it, it, I looked at a lot of plot synopsis, and they were very long and drawn out. Yeah, it's 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 kind of hard to explain. Uh, so I have I, I have a I have a one sentence though. I found okay, one. Okay, let, let, let me hear it and see if this works. When sure. A, when a desperate movie producer fails to get a major star for his bargain basement film. He decides to shoot the film secretly around him. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a pretty good way of saying it. Well, I mean, I mean really, the the whole you know MacGuffin or what keeps this movie going is like that is the film. You know what I mean? There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing really like behind yeah. the other things, right? Like yeah. this is like, the only thing that we're concerned about. Yeah, like both Bowfinger is the name of Steve Martin's character in this film. Um, he is he is an Ed Wood esque director. He makes he makes schlocky little movies that don't make any money, and he's 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 low on cash. His his cast of characters don't really want much to do with him, and he's made like this last ditch. He's got what he thinks is a good script that sounds actually horrible, but he thinks it's a good script, and he thinks if he can get a good team, he thinks if he can get a big movie star to be in it, yeah, all his luck will turn around. Yeah. The only problem is the star he wants doesn't actually know he's in the movie. Yeah. Well, because he kind of kind of decides, you know, to secretly put him in the film. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah. little bit like the producers or like you said or like Ed Wood or you know, something like that where they're, you know, but this is like he's trying to like shoot the movie without the the guy knowing about it, like just yeah. like catching them on the street or catching them in public places and then Yeah. You know, and it's this weird sci-fi movie. Yeah. Like, well, like what he doesn't know, it's a movie about it's about a movie about alien abductions. And what he doesn't realize is that the star of his film, his his unwitting star of his film, played by Eddie Murphy, is a uh, is a paranoid person who actually has delusions and ha- and worries about alien abductions. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, like yeah, he's already like a paranoid schizophrenic himself. Who, or, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who, who's he's going under treatment with a a, a group that's. That's meant to be a parody, and, sh- and I want to make this very clear. It's a parody, yeah. in case anyone from that group is listening, of the religion of Scientology. Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it, yeah. I mean, that that's that part is pretty obvious that it's trying to, uh, you know, mimic. It was called, like, was it Mind Meld or Mind something? Uh, mind Think? Mind Think. Yeah, Mind Think. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so he's, he's a part of this... Uh, uh, this group or whatever, and you know, overgoing, overseeing his treatment about all of this stuff, you know, or whatever. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah it's, Eddie Murphy plays uh, his character's name is Kit Ramsey, who's like this action star, and um, but yeah, but uh, Robert Bobby Bowfinger is trying to get this movie made, and you know, so instead of like being honest with everybody that's like with his you know production uh, group. He's like, you know, he's he's basically pulling their chain. So he's pulling like, you know, Kit Ramsey's chain, right? That he's they're shooting in secret, but he's also like telling everybody, "Oh yeah, Kit's going to be in it, but we can only do it this time." Yeah. And we have to do it at He's the, super you know. method, yeah. Right. He's like so into his character like we have to do it, you know. And he doesn't want to see the cameras and he doesn't, you know, this that would just break yeah. his concentration and break his character. And, yeah. So basically, he's got all like like Bowfinger's got all these plates spinning, which you can just see like Steve Martin as this frazzled character trying to keep all these all these lies going, yeah, to try to get this chintzy little movie made about aliens. Well, I mean, I he's you know I've started sitting there thinking about like you know Steve Martin is a great sort of like con man kind of character, right? Like, yeah, 
Mm-hmm. He can pull it off really well. He can he, he can, can he can sell a lot of things like you know very easily. I'd be very afraid to buy anything from Steve Martin because he's yeah. he's such a good con man. Yeah, it's funny you say because that, that ties directly into my recommendation. I'm going to bring up at the last uh, at the at the okay. end of the at the all end right. of the episode. All right, all right. But you're right; he is very good at playing con man characters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like he's keep, he's got all these plates spinning. Where he's basically lying to everyone. And it's all very delicate, and it could fall apart at any moment. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of just absurdity in Bowfinger. To me, it's a little more it's a little more laugh out loud funny than uh than Roxanne. But mm-hmm. I, I still wouldn't call it like a huge like gut buster film. Just a, it's more of like it's more of like a a a kind of gentle takedown of Hollywood and Hollywood like archetypes and tropes. You got like mm-hmm. the sleazy movie producer played by you got, Robert like, the, Downey Jr. Played by Robert Downey Jr. during during his drug years. Yes, um, yeah. Um, and you got like you know you know your 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 guy who wants to be a screenwriter who's clearly got no talent. You've got your 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 girl who's fresh off the bus and wants to be an actress who's sleeping played with by her, Heather. But, yeah, sleeping with yeah. everybody, trying to you know, Play, trying trying to make it. Played by Heather Graham yeah. from you know from Boogie Nights and a lot of other things. Yep. Um, He's got Jamie Kennedy's in it as the cameraman. Who? Yep. Shout out to Jamie Kennedy who follows me on Twitter. So yeah. I will not say anything bad about Jamie Kennedy because he supports me. Oh yeah. So if you're listening, Jamie, thanks for the follow. Oh yeah. No, that was uh, yeah. Jamie, you know, plays a great um, sort of cameraman there and um, great performance yeah. there. And, and I mean, yeah, because all the cast is great. I mean, even the other other uh, people that plays his agent or the, the you know the other uh, people, and then uh, Eddie Murphy also plays like another character. So like mm-hmm, when you yeah. see the advertisements. You see, like, Steve Martin and you see, like, Eddie Murphy, but you see, like, Eddie Murphy is this really dorky, like, nerdy guy, and that basically is Jefferson Jeff Ramsey, uh, yeah. you know, who comes in, who's, who's like, this ringer lookalike that they're going to get yeah, he comes to about ha- he comes about halfway through the film, yeah. Yeah, comes in, and he's, he's because uh, they, you know, they realize that they need some close-up shots, or they need some other shots, and some filler uh, stuff, and... They can't get Kit, so they're like, "Oh, find a lookalike," and he's a lookalike. Well, it turns out that's his his cousin or something like that. Is that his right? brother, his yeah. Brother. Like, apparently, his his twin brother, but he's a dork. Yeah, yeah. And he doesn't quite. He doesn't. And even 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 he doesn't realize what's going on. He doesn't realize that that they're kind of cheating his brother. But it's really. It's to me. It's like great. To me, the the, the best thing about Bowfinger is really Eddie Murphy's performance as 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 Jet. You know, yeah. he is a. Uh, He's so funny. He's like this nebbish guy who just wants people to like him. Mm-hmm. Like he's like he's got like thick glasses. He's got he's such a stereotypical nerd. Look, he's got braces and thick glasses, and he's got kind of a nasally voice. But mm-hmm. something about him is just kind of adorable. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be like, oh, you're doing a good job, buddy, and you know, pat him on the back, <laughs> like you know. Yeah, he's really he's really sort of Urkelish, uh, yeah. you know, about but he, yeah, they but they dupe him into thinking, oh yeah, we want you to be in the movie. Oh yeah, you guys want me. Like it's just yeah. like they're not they're not telling them. Oh yeah, we want you to be Kit. You know they they're like no, we want you to be you know yourself. You know so that was that was yeah. one of the other parts of the movie that they you know talked about or whatever, um, and didn't want him to go to the premiere or whatever. Especially when they found out like he's his brother. Yeah, like and it, well, one of the one of the little plot points is are, are they going to tell them that you know that you know that this basically exploiting his brother or you know. Or why he's actually there? Because they just think they want him in the movie. They don't right. really get. Why, he doesn't really know why he's there, mm-hmm. other than these people want him in the film. Mm-hmm. And to me, like it's, it's one of it's one of Eddie Murphy's like charming, like absurd characters. Like I said, he's to me. It's again, it's one of the highlights of the film is watching him just be like, can, can play this kind of absurd, like nebbish character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that you know him playing multiple characters. Like you know, the way he did in, um, you know, coming to America. Uh, I mean, it, it just shows that he can he can just do so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like he oh, was no, definitely bigger than you know Saturday Night Live and all this stuff. And and uh, it just it, it just shows you know how how great he was um, and how great he still is. Really, you yeah. Know? I mean, I mean, yeah, because I mean, I mean, just a couple, you know, just a couple years ago, he was he was in Dolomite is my name. Yeah, which is a which is an amazing biopic, and he's great in it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, like we talked about with Stil- like we talked about Stil- in, in the episode we did on Sylvester Stallone. Eddie Murphy's one of those kind of guys 
who is who is constantly had comebacks. Yeah. You know, like he's all he's always he's always kind of written off like oh he's a has been oh he makes terrible movies. Yeah. And then he'll come out with something and it'll just it'll just blow people's minds like and they'll be like oh Eddie Murphy's back he's he's better than ever. No, you know? I I looked at uh I mean he did like Norbit and all that kind of stuff and uh Meet Dave. And then after that, there was only like really a three-year period that he didn't do movies. Other than that, he's done a movie almost every year. Yeah. Uh, in, in even since like 2019. But yes, there was a period between 2016 and 2019 that he didn't do any movies. But that was yeah. it. He's always done a movie. Yeah. Now it might not be the greatest thing, or it might not be, yeah. you know, as great as you know, Coming to America, or uh, you know, as great as Beverly Hills Cop. But I mean, he's you know, he's in it. Oh, uh, he definitely, he definitely never stopped working. But what I'm saying yeah. is, like, so much about like people were kind of like, oh, he's just it's another, it's another cruddy Eddie Murphy movie because he he did make a lot of stinkers. Yeah. And what I, my my point was, Bowfinger is one of the many times where he had a comeback film. Yeah. Where he he had been in a lot of things that weren't very good, or that people said weren't very good, and suddenly he comes back and like they're like, oh yeah, Eddie Murphy's great again. Eddie Murphy's always been great. Uh, Eddie Murphy just sometimes has questionable tastes in projects. Um, yeah. But but when he gets the right material. He's magical, and I, I, I think, and I think the roles here in this film, the dual roles, are are really perfect for him. I mean, he's he's funny in both. Like he's funny as as the paranoid kid. I mean, like like his paranoia stuff is hilarious in this mm-hmm. film. Um, and he, he's great. He's great as like he's like his nerdy twin brother. And then you have like Steve Martin again, just being kind of kind of sweetly conniving, sort of parallel with those two characters. And to me, it makes the whole thing very again very fun, very light. Especially if you like the movie, if you like Hollywood, you like you like the movie business, like the idea of the movie business. Mm-hmm. It's a very fun movie to watch. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, definitely. Uh, the, the movie business is very much highlighted in all of this, right? Like, yeah. you know, making it, becoming a star, like you know, because um, there's there's the people that are actually like, you know, doing the stuff, and then the people that are. Uh, like kind of pretending to do the stuff or like, oh yeah, we're going to be big just because, you know, they act or they have a camera or like whatever. Uh, one of the, th- one of the people that we, that we uh, failed to mention as part of the cast is, uh, and I'm probably going to mess up her name is Christine Baranski as Carol. Yeah. And she's great. She, she was, she was in the good fight, uh, the, a series on, on Paramount plus. She was in Sybil. Yeah. A lot, a lot of good things. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see her, you know, as as much, but she uh, a wonderful, wonderful character. I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, if you if you watch like Shit's Creek, reminded me of like uh, Moira or whatever, you know, she's yeah. like this great, you know, sort of actress or whatever. Like, um, um, and uh, but yeah, I loved loved her character uh, in that movie. Like, um, I trying to think of the words, and I, I'm never I'm never as good as words as you, and it makes me so mad. <laughs> Because well, I just say that she was. You can't beat yourself up with this. I spend way too. I spend way too much time doing this. Well, because so. I just sound like an idiot. I'm just like, yeah, remember that part <laughs> no, of the movie? Yeah, that was good. No, you yeah, don't. Like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, you're like Chris Farley and those SNL skits. Yes. Remember that time? Remember that time? That was awesome. Yeah, remember that time yeah. she was in that movie? Did that thing? Yeah, it was good. No, I love seeing her in that role, and and playing, you know, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, Steve Martin and. Um, and Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. So, and she, what's funny about her, both her and, uh, like Heather Graham's character, Daisy, kind of figured it out, figured out what was going on, you know, very early on, right? Like, yeah. figured out the con, but just kind of kept going with it. Yeah, because at least they're in the movies, which I, I always like that, 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 that the scenes were like, hey, at least we're working, you know? Right. Um, is there any scenes that you would, you know, what, what you would savor and rewind and watch again? Well, my favorite scene, of course, is going to be the very end of the movie. Like to me, it's the most, it's the most truly funny scene in the entire film is they get to make their movie. It it ends up being an okay hit, apparently, even though it looks terrible Mm -hmm. and they they find out they get, they get a contract to make another movie in Mm -hmm. Taiwan and it's basically like a parody of (laughs) of like cheap action films. You know, this is actually a thing. Uh, because they say we they're going to make this 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 action film with with Kit's brother right. in Taiwan. That's the thing that happened in Hollywood a lot in the eighties, where you'd have like Frank Stallone in in a terrible like action film shot in like this in the Philippines, and they would just advertise it. They'd have just Stallone on the poster, right? 
But it would be Frank Stallone, not Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so that's actually an homage to that. And okay. like this thing that they're doing is just like this parody of like ninja movies, and it's like it's got you know Steve Barr and Danny Murphy wearing like ridiculous red like like geese and fighting ninjas mm. more badly. Right. And it just makes me laugh every time. It's such a funny little absurd scene. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That 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 you know that would almost go in like. If you made it now, it would almost be like in the post credits or like during the credits or something like that. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. but uh, but I think it was so good, and the action scenes were so good that they just like kept it in or whatever. Like but, it, yeah. it's such it's to me it's the most laugh out loud funny part of the entire movie. You pretty much have yeah, to have it in yeah. the main part of the film. Oh, it, it leaves the audience feeling good, you know. Oh, yeah. You leave them on a high note, you know. Yeah. Uh, the scene that I loved then it was the first part of the movie where I actually like laughed out loud. And because I, I was like watching, I go, okay, okay, okay. And then they get to the scene where, because I'm like thinking, I'm like, this is going to be like such, you know, like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. This is just terrible. And they're just going to like ruin his life and he's just going to get mad. Is the scene where they're shooting the, the scene in the parking lot in the, you know, parking garage and they're mm-hmm. like chasing after him or whatever. And they got like the dog with the, you know, with the shoes on yeah, and yeah. walking after him. I that was absolutely hilarious. I was just like, oh my god, that was such a funny scene because then I think that's what like hooks you in. Like, okay, they can actually do this. Like, this can actually work. Like, this is you know you can kind of see at that point where they were kind of going with the movie. You know what I mean? And then they follow up that scene with the uh, uh, with you know Christine Berinsky, you know, accosting him like at the restaurant or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was absolutely great. Um, but yeah, that was the first, uh, like scene, like I said, that, that I watched this movie that I laughed out loud. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Well, Eddie Murphy just kills the scene in the parking garage where he, yeah. where he's, he's genuinely freaked out, but he's trying to act tough. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very, very funny. <laughs> well, stuff, just the man. way that it was shot. Like we, I didn't mention that Frank Oz directed this movie. Okay. Oh yeah. Frank. Yeah. The yeah. great Frank Oz. I mean, he, he directed dark crystal, little shop horrors, dirty rotten sound, uh, scoundrels. What about Bob? And yeah, he did the voice of Yoda, Kermit, the frog, miss piggy, Fozzie bear, you know, and also was the original voice of cookie monster, Bert and Grover, like all the stuff. Right. And, yeah. uh, but I mean, but yeah, just the way that scene was shot was just like, uh, so well done to fit in the movie, I thought. Yeah, he's he's a very underrated director for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then scenes that you would like fast forward or not watch. Um, I don't I don't really like the joke about Heather Graham sleeping around. Yeah, I think I think it's weirdly misogynistic, but that's just me being you know my twenty first century you know self. It just it feels weird to me now. And I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't say something that it, that it feels a little strange. It like it's, does, it, it's but a, it's a it, little it's yeah. a little mean spirited. Yeah, it does. But you know that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> sure, you know? and people are not nearly as nice about it. You know, uh, about the way they you know treated uh, Daisy about it. It can get actually like really sort of terrible. But I, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I do actually like that everyone seems to be okay with it, really. Yeah. Like, no one gets really mad or jealous. Like no. it. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, you know, it's it's fine. Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's, like, uh, yeah, like she said, oh, you, you know, like, yeah, the, uh, cause she, she wants, Daisy wants up sleeping with, um, with Bowfinger's character and then, uh, Bowfinger. Yeah. And she has a, t- then she, she finds out that she's with somebody. Oh, oh, you slept with him? She goes, yeah, she goes. Well, I thought we were together. Yeah, what does that matter? He's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. Yeah, like, like it was just like, like okay. Yeah, and she goes. So and he goes. He goes. You slept with him, and she's like, so. And he's like, good point. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, uh, it was just kind of weird. But yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, in the final scene, uh, I love to. I mean, the, the whole, uh, you know, um, fair, the what do they call it? The, um. The freeway scene. Oh, he's going to say the scene. fairway. I'm thinking about golf yeah. for some reason. The freeway yeah. scene. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. I'd watch that again. But well, yes, it, there's not much though that I would uh, that I would sort of cut out those. But you're right. That does Heather Graham's character just kind of leave you feeling a little just a little weird. Like it's, it's like it's not. I, I said mean spirit. That's not the right word. It just left me feeling weird. 
Yeah. Um, uncomfortable. But everything else. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just it felt it felt just a just a, a teeny bit misogynistic. But you know what do I know? Uh, but one thing I do like about the movie is, for the most part, the like everything about the ending, the fact that they get to make their movie, the movie's for some reason a success. Mm-hmm. People seem to like it. The fact that everyone gets a happy ending, you know, yeah. Like you know, like there's no like, there's no, like no one goes to jail. No one, no yeah. one, no one gets like punched out. Yeah. There, there, there are no, there are no bad results. There are no bad outcomes. Mm-hmm. And it's just again, sometimes you just want like a nice, pleasant movie. You know, like I think mm-hmm. like I was thinking, these are two movies I could watch with my mom. And my mom, my mom would say, "Well, those were nice." Yeah. No, I you remember. Know, uh, I remember my dad. He didn't go to movies that much at all. Uh, never really went to the movies. He was a big sports guy, and uh, one of his friends, um, like, really wanted to go see the movie. Like, the, I think probably like the last movie he saw in the movie theater, or last movie he saw, was, like, was uh, that he loved was like Mrs. Doubtfire. It was like his favorite movie. Uh, and then so he like drug him to go see like Bowfinger. And yeah, my dad loved it. My dad thought it was great. I mean, he loves yeah. that kind of that that kind of humor, that kind of good spirited, good nature kind of kind of film, uh, kind of comedy. Yeah, like it's something that we've really gotten away from in in the past twenty years. Comedy is so either absurd or mean nowadays, or or oh, just really really gross, or really like. Uh, what's what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, uh, vulgar, vulgar. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good. One. Like I say, it's either it's either mean and vulgar, or it's or it's like absurd and like just completely out there. Mm-hmm. And I, it's gonna make it sound like two very old me. You have to bear with us. We're we're both middle aged. Uh, but it's nice to kind of go back and watch something that's just kind of two movies that are just kind of low key and just at their very base, just kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, they're both just sweet movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they're just they're just good natured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I like the vulgar comedy too, like you know, the forty year old virgin and 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 everything else. But yeah, this is you know definitely a, a departure from that. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. it's not pushing the 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 boundaries uh, at all. But um, uh, it's just you know just an amusing you know sort of film. And I you know I think that there's there are a couple scenes that are. You know, it's not gonna. Not every scene is funny, but yeah, I mean, it's it's. You know, there are some there are some funny scenes. So yeah, but and I, I'll say this: I like hanging out in the, the world with these characters. Like I like I like spending time with these characters, mm-hmm. and that counts for a lot. You know, yeah, I do too. You know? I, I want to. You know, I want I want to go up to uh, uh, you know Nelson, and also I want to go. You know. Over to Bowfinger's, you know, production uh, thing. Uh, yeah, and like, 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 you know, just like chat, you know, yeah. like, ask them, ask them what they're working on now, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Wait for the FedEx truck to come by. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the magical FedEx truck. Yep. Uh, right. So we, we've reached the point in the show, Ryan, where we asked uh-huh. that question. If you were, if you had gone to the video store, if you'd gone to that wonderful video store of yesteryear, mm-hmm. and you had rented these for a Steve Martin double feature... Would would you keep them an extra day and watch them again, or would you get them back early to save on those late fees? Uh, I mean, I'd probably keep both of them. I mean, they're both uh, really amusing films. Um, I don't I don't see what the reason what, what you know why you need to return them. Um, they're they're very fun and watchable movies. Yeah, I completely agree. I would keep them an extra day too, and and and, and re really kind of watch them and enjoy just kind of being in those like like kind of soothing sort of silly vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, and also to mention too, uh, about that I wanted to mention in um, uh, Bowfinger. Uh, if you are a fan of like LA film, uh, there there are like almost every scene is very like iconic. You know where where it was shot. Like the scenery is very very sort of iconic, right? Like they go to oh, the yeah. it's, it's, observatory it's and yeah, like a lot of cool 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 stuff. All right, so we're going to go to uh, the notes. I don't have very many notes on either of these films. There wasn't really a lot. Um, Roxanne, of course, was in 87. Steve Martin says, I remember about making the movie. This is about, like, uh, the the creation of Roxanne. Uh, And he says, quote, I remember just thinking it was the greatest thing I ever saw about Sir Arno de Bergiac. I think it's because... 
The character is so strong. He is a very smart version of what coincidentally is popular with movies today. He is smarter than everybody else, quicker than everybody else, wittier than everybody else, and tops everybody. That's what the original Sierno is like, and that just sort of uh, takes that vicious edge off of it. Yeah, so. I completely agree. Uh, Steve Martin's nose and makeup took 90 minutes to apply every day and two minutes to take off. Steve Martin said, yeah. God, how I hated that thing. But, you know, it, even though it lo- it's absurdly long and it's not it's not realistic looking, it does look it does look it's blended well with his face. Yeah. Like it doesn't look real, but yet it does look real. If that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. It, it they said that the, uh, you know, where, where, it, you know, where it meets his original nose, they had to make a, um, uh, a mold of his nose to make the other noses. So it would like match up perfectly. And so they had like a nose for like each day that he was on set. Basically he would wear like a different one each day. Um, cause you know, the glue and stuff like that, like all like comes yeah. apart. So once you take it off, like you can't put it back on, you have to use another one. And, uh, but yeah, they said the blend to get it to blend with his original nose was really difficult. But, it, but it's really fun. It's really great work. I mean, it's, um, I, I didn't watch it in high def, but it's, but it looks very seamless. Yeah. Um, I watched it in high def. I couldn't, I still couldn't <coughs> see the, the blend line. I mean, uh, so yeah, amazing, amazing work. Uh, oh, uh, also, uh, oh, speaking of his nose, when CD Steve Martin is consulting the plastic surgeon about getting a nose job, he holds a picture of the nose he wants up to beside his nose, and the picture is actually of his real nose. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. That's cool. <laughs> so uh, this was the second movie to star Steve Martin in 1987. The other one is, you want to guess? Uh, I can't think of it, but go and tell me. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Bales is challenged to tell 20 nose jokes. After he tells 18 or 19, he asks, how many is that? Which uh, he's told 14. So he goes on to tell another six. So it's actually 24 or 25 in total. One of them was deleted in the TV version, resulting in the different totals. It was it was a like a sexual joke that they that they took out. Yeah, it's uh, it's it went about satisfying two women at once. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Use your imagination. Yeah. Um, Roxanne was filmed in the summer of 1986 in the town of Nelson, British Columbia. So that's actually the name of the town. So they didn't want to change it because then they had all the signs. Everything was already there, so they just left it. Um, so they did have to paint the mailboxes blue to match the USPS like mailboxes, not the red of Canada post. So if you, if you look at like where he's like shoving the, you know, the, all the letters into the, you know, mailbox, uh, it's, it's a blue mailbox, not a red one. Yeah. So, uh, they also used a Miller beer neon sign in the bar that said made the American way, which would have never been in Canada. So I'm just a fool you to think it's this, you know, town up in like Washington or Oregon or, you know, movie magic. Yeah, movie magic. The budget was only twelve million, and the box office forty million. I remember it being a hit. Yeah, it was. It was very much so. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars. He says, "What makes Roxanne so wonderful is not this fairly straightforward comedy, however, but the way the movie creates a certain ineffable spirit." Perfectly said. Yeah. <laughs> Would you have ever come up with a way to say say it that way? No, I, he, that's a very that's a very expensive word he just used there that I would have to think about for a minute. I don't <laughs> think I've even used the word ineffable in anything I've ever written or said. Yeah, I'm stealing it now though. So all right, see you put another put another word in your your list. Your five dollar words, day. man. Yeah. Every day. Yeah, got to get those expensive words out there. Uh, Rotten Tomato critic scores 88%, audience 63%. Which I find strange, but okay. Yeah. I mean, it's not the most fast-paced like kind of movie. It's not the most um, straightforward romantic comedy that people are probably used to. It is an adapted, adapted play, kind of. But yeah, I guess I can kind of see that a little bit. Yeah, I just don't agree with it. You know, the... Yeah. Um, 
It is number 71 on Bravo's 100 Funniest Movies, though. So there you go. Yeah. Vindication. Bowfinger, 1999. Reportedly, it was based on a real incident in 1927. A Russian filmmaker covert, uh, covertly shot footage of the vacationing Mary Pickford and fashioned an entire film around the footage, creating the illusion that Pickford was actually starring in this Russian film. In reality, the 1927 film, uh, uh, Mary Fisher uh, featured cameos from uh, uh, Mary and Douglas Fairbanks, and they participated in the film as a goodwill gesture towards the emerging Russian film industry. That's really so, interesting. Yeah, so they, they actually like got film of them you know, from afar and then kind of said, oh, you know, they promoted it and they were like, okay, well, I guess we're in, you know, she was in another movie and didn't even know it, right? Uh, The character Daisy, now you'll find this interesting because we're talking about Daisy and all this other stuff. The character Daisy was inspired by actress Anne Hesch, whom writer Steve Martin was dating at the time. Fancy that. Anne Hash is actually is also from Ohio and Daisy's lines about being involved with quote, the most powerful lesbian in Hollywood is a reference to Ash's Hash's relationship at the time with Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. That makes it, that makes it even, that makes it a little worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's surprisingly biting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it was to paint her in a good light. Let's just put it that way. No, it, it definitely shows. That explains <laughs> that kind of mean vibe I was getting from it. Yes. Uh, Gary Coleman uh, worked on the film on the set as a security guard. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, also, Eddie Murphy became interested in doing Bowfinger when he heard he would be working with Steve Martin, whom he is a huge fan. So I thought- and, and 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 you can tell like there's 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 just a warmth to their scenes together. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell that you enjoy being around each other. Yeah, I mean it was just kind of like you know they get called like, hey, do you want to do this movie? Yes, I w-, you know then and you know as as comedians, some actors you know get the opportunity to, to play certain actors or to to work with you know other comedians and stuff like that. And some you're like, nah, you know I don't really like his comedy, but no, he he really likes Steve Martin. And uh, actually cleared out about six weeks in between doing like a couple of movies just to fit it in, just just to do it. So, um, and he said that uh, when Murphy sat down with Martin and director Frank Dawes, the first thing he said was that Kit Ramsey should be a black action superstar. <laughs> <laughs> I so, like that. So yeah, that was his. That was a sort of a change uh, when the the whole movie premiere. Is a scene, a nod to the movie Ed Wood, Johnny Depp and cast attending the premiere of Plan 9 from Outer Space, the story of another sci-fi movie produced on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and, and, you know, I have to be honest, somebody was actually telling me, like, um, uh, something about, Ed, you know, Bowfinger reminding him of, of Ed Wood, and I'm like, I've never seen Ed Wood. Uh, well, uh <laughs> pardon me. We should get to it at some point. I, I think you would like it. Mm-hmm. The film it's a, it's, again. It's a, it's a very sweet. It's a very sweet movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the for Bowfinger, the budget was fifty five million. Box office ninety eight point six billion. Yeah, it was big at the time. Yeah, uh, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars, and he said, "Quote: Bowfinger is one of those comedies where everything works." So not, I, I would agree. There's not anything I, I don't really like about it, you know. Yeah, not much more to be said. Rotten Tomatoes, 81% critics, 61% audience, which is almost like that's, Roxanne. That's so weird. It's almost yeah. like Roxanne. Roxanne was 71. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. 88 and 63. This one's 81 and 61. I mean, go figure. Go figure. Yeah, that, that's 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 an odd statistic. Yeah, it is. It really is. Really is, but that's 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 the way it is. So that's hey, it's not for everyone. But I mean, I can't imagine any. I can't imagine anyone not getting something out of these films. Yeah, that's true. They're, I mean, I think they're, that they're, they're both they're both sweet, right? I think everybody, you know, I don't know what what audience expects, but they always expect, you know, when big names like Steve Martin or Eddie Murphy, you know, do something, they expect something like spectacular. And you know, to me, I always think. 
as long as it's enjoyable and they did a great job at it, that's, you know, that's the most that I, you know, that's, that's, you know, the best that you can do, you know, whatever, like these are guys are working stuff. I mean, not every, you know, song on an album of of an artist that you're going to really love, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, I completely agree. Sometimes things can just be enjoyable. Right. So, I mean, some albums of artists that I love, I you know, I don't particularly like, not the first thing I grab, but I mean, I still enjoy it. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not my first pick when I watch a Steve Martin movie or an Eddie Murphy movie. Um, but I, I like them both, you yeah. know, and, uh, and I, I will watch this again. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen them before and I will watch them again. Right, right, right. Well, now we get to one of my favorite parts of the show. We do the recommendations. So okay, well, after, after you, my friend, right. do you have anything? So the, the, the movie that I would recommend is another movie that Steve Martin, um, also kind of had a hand in writing and not only performing, but also writing, uh, was a movie called LA story. It's not the same movie. Ex- that you- excellent choice. Yeah. Was that the movie that you were going to say? No, or- no, but no, but no, this one is an excellent choice. Oh, right, right, right. So he yeah. plays like, a, um, it's, it's another sort of like romantic film where he plays, um, this weatherman and you know, he's getting these, these weird messages on the, uh, you know, on the billboard and it's just kind of fun, uh, just kind of a fun look, um, you know, about what it's like being a weatherman and finding love and all this other kind of stuff. It has uh, Sarah Jessica Parker in it. Um, so, yeah, it's just I, it, it's a really fun, amusing film to watch. It was another one of those films that would, you know, show up on USA or something like that on a Saturday afternoon. It was, you know, really good. Uh, I think that's a great pull. Mine is another one where, uh, again, it's a Steve Martin film again, of course, because it's all about Steve. Uh, but he plays a con man. Uh, it's one you probably haven't heard of, but it's one I, I really recommend. And I, I almost suggested it for this show. Uh, uh-huh. it's, called Leap, it's called Leap of Faith. Oh, yeah, I've seen it's, Leap of Faith. Yeah, it's from 1992. He, he plays a fake faith healer. And, and, it, and it, you know, he goes from town to town with like a, with like a revival and basically, basically builds these towns out of money. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a little bit funny. It's a little bit of a drama. You get to see some of Steve Martin's dramatic acting, and he he just slays in the dramatic parts of this movie. He's so good in the in the, in the drama roles. Oh yeah. But the cat, but the cast of this thing is surprisingly great. Check out this cast. Mm-hmm. It's got Steve Martin, Deborah Winger, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. Luke Ho- Lucas Haas, mm-hmm. Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. And Philip Seymour Hoffman. Wow. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that, that, of course, you know, this was in '92. They weren't all as big as they they went on to be, but it's a great little drama comedy. Again, Martin is phenomenal in it, and it's a movie that not a lot of people have seen. So, yeah, I really recommend if you wanted to do a sequel to this, you want to do your own sequel to this episode. By all means, get L.A. Story, get Leap of Faith. They would go really well together. And I think you would have a really great Steve Martin marathon if you watched all four of these. Um, yeah, I mean, Leap of Faith. Also, did you mention uh, Deborah Winger? Yeah. I did. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, I I was trying to, like, look it up or whatever just so you could see. Yeah. But one of the but things it, it, that, that struck me, it doesn't have that great of, like, Leap of Faith doesn't have that great of, like, um, Rotten Tomato score. But I would ignore it because most of the movie is, like, you know, him, you know, playing this, like, uh, you know, TV evangelist, like preacher guy, right? Like he places yeah. guys who goes from town to town to town where he's basically like soaking up these people's money, like pretending to be yeah. a healer and all this other kind of stuff. And it is kind of like, you know, the same sort of thing. Like the producers are like, you know, this where they're about, they're running out of money or like their bus yeah. breaks down or something like that. I think mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah. And then yeah, they, they basically, they basically get stuck. Yeah. And, um, uh... And it has it has some drama. It has some comedy. It's just it's one of the movies that's really kind of hard to define. Like it's not fully a comedy. It's not fully a drama. It's just a, it's just a unique little film, right? That most that's really kind of become forgotten. Mm-hmm. So uh, much like LA Story, I think again, watch both those movies if yeah. you want to like do, do your own little sequel to this episode, guys out there listening. Mm-hmm. And by all means, if you can watch all four, yeah. I, it'd be a great little movie marathon. Yeah, I mean, L.A. Story has a 93% uh, critic score, 75% audience. So yeah. You can't beat that, man. Yeah, I mean, that's that's certified fresh right there. 
So yeah. I think on that note, I think we're going to... But yeah, I, I absolutely adore uh, Leap of Faith. And I think I suggested it when we did Three Amigos. Um, uh, you probably did. I mean, <laughs> yeah. These all blur together after a while as we as we, as we did the slow crawl to 70. Yeah. Which, speaking of which, next time should be episode 70. Yeah. Where we will talk about a movie and its sequel. And we're going to talk about some a real sci-fi cult classic series and that's all i'm gonna say about something it. about snakes i think snakes something maybe snakes getting out of something who knows <laughs> but until next time i'm matthew Estrin. and i'm ryan acree go watch some movies guys thanks for checking out this episode of video culture you can check us out on Twitter at Video Culture 2. That's the number two for two guys talking about movies like Ryan and myself. And you can also check us out on Facebook. Just search for Video Culture Podcast. Also, be sure to stop by our, our official website, video-culture.com. There we have the entire show archives, as well as articles about film. Yeah, so check us out. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, coming out with us, talk movies. Did you like the show? Do you hate the show? Do you like or hate the movies we talked about? Let us know. Come chat with us and let's all watch movies together. Can I look at those nose cards one more time? Oh, yeah. C.D. Bales had a small problem. They said it was big, but I didn't expect it to be big. (laughs) He could handle every situation. Except the one that mattered most. I'm walked out of my house. Come on inside, I'll get some tools. I don't have any clothes on. Maybe you'd like some wine with your nose. Cheese. I want to look like Diana Ross. I think she's fallen in love, but she doesn't know it yet. There's someone I think I should get to know better. His name's Chris McConnell. This time I want you to do it, Dave. I want you to cut the thing off! Maybe you could encourage him a little. Look, she wants somebody who looks like me and talks like you. Don't panic. Stay calm. Stay calm. Because there is a heart here. That's good. That's okay. That wants you worse to know. There's a possible 502 on Main. So why'd you say those things? Tell her you were afraid of words. Because I was afraid of worms, Roxanne. Worms. Worms. Love may be blind. Get out. Get in. No, get out. Get in. But hopefully, Roxanne isn't. Steve Martin. Hey! Daryl Hannah. Why don't you just get that nose job? I did. Roxanne. Hello. Oh. 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 Fifteen loves.